Lords of Limited is proud to be brought to you in part by StarCityGames.com. Not only are they the home of the top content and coverage on the web, they're also the world's largest independent retailer for Magic the Gathering singles and supplies. For more information, visit StarCityGames.com. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Lords of Limited. My name is Ben Warney, and joining me on the line is Ethan Sachs. Ethan, I am in my new apartment, and I have rejoined Civilization. It's very, very exciting. Ben, every time you introduce me, it sounds like it's going to be a new guest. <laughs> Does it really? Like, and joining me on the line this week, someone totally different, <laughs> Ethan Sachs. Just kidding. Same guy as always. Just kidding. It's the same old, same old. Yeah, how's the new place? New place is great. I have an entire room dedicated to streaming. I just got internet yesterday, so I haven't done much drafting this week, unfortunately. But I have gigabyte internet now, which is totally awesome. And I'm looking forward to talking some arena with you. What is gigabyte internet? Like the speed. I have oh. gig up and like 40 meg. No, gigabyte download and 40 megabytes upload. Sweet. That's what you have too. It's like why your track started Fios, up. Fios. But I don't call it gigabyte internet. <laughs> I don't know what that. That's so weird. I've never heard that before. It's like the speed. It's the speed of gigabytes. How many you up like? It's your it's your download speed. You download a gigabyte of data per second or per minute or something. We're way down the rabbit hole here. <laughs> I mean, clearly we both know what we're talking about. That's the important thing. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. All right. Well, so you said you haven't been able to draft that much. So shall we check in on the trophy leaderboard for M20? Let's do it. Yeah, I am at the exact same place on MTGO. I have not done a single MTGO draft because I didn't have internet. I have 14 drafts, 33 and 8, 7 trophies, 80% win rate. Uh, I've done a few more, 34 drafts. I'm finally up to 7 trophies with you, uh, 59 and 38 win-loss record and a 61% win rate. And if we look in on Arena, I had a chance to do a few best of one drafts last night after I got my internet hooked up, did a sweet stream from the new apartment. So I've done three best of one drafts. I seven and two'd my first one for a trophy. And then I two one dropped this morning because I wanted to get in a third draft. And then I have drafted a third time and not played any games. So nine and three overall record, one trophy and a 75% win rate. I've done six best of one drafts since I came out, uh, 20 and 14, zero quote unquote trophies, uh, 58% win rate. And if we move over to best of three on arena, I have those same three drafts that I did last week right before we recorded a three, one drop an O one drop and a draft that I haven't played any games yet just to try to get the most draft experience on arena possible. So 60% win rate over in best of three. Yeah. And I did three drafts as well before it switched over to best of one, seven and six, zero trophies, 54% win rate. So getting in some reps with those draft bots and also playing against some opponents on arena to try and figure out also what other folks seem to be coming up with most of the time. And the trends are pretty stark, I would say. So we're excited to dive into arena drafts, trying to break the bots this week with you all. Now that M20 is a ranked draft format, so try and get you all ranked up to mythic here with some some sweet tech for how to draft differently against the bots than you normally would against humans on MTGO or paper. Yeah, it really does feel like a different metagame to me. There are, I think, different decks you're playing against and different draft strategies on MTGO versus Arena pretty significantly. Yeah, so before we dive into any of that, we want to talk about our sweet, sweet patrons. Uh, Patreon.com slash Lords of Limited is where you can head on over to support the show if you so choose. Got some sweet, sweet perks for you. Access to Lords of Limited Discord, which is just the best place on the internet to talk about limited strategy 24-7. We've also got some higher tier rewards for some higher tier donations. If you want access to our show notes, access to our draft logs and deck picks for all the drafts that Ben and I do, uh, you can get access to a 
hero tier chat section of the Discord, which is just a sort of private, more intimate way to get in touch with me and Ben and other folks who want access to that sort of thing. And you can also get coaching from us, Ben. You and I have uh, some recurring students month after month from folks who are are deep into the Patreon. So there's a lot of stuff, a lot of different stuff there for folks as they so choose. And we, of course, want to make sure that we shout out each and every new patron the first week that they join. So this week, we want to welcome John, Christopher, Matt, Grant, Nathan, Alan, Zav, Kai, Henry, Matthew, Intuition, Mike, Rostin, Puff, okay, Tim, Kenny, Lowell, Tyler, David, Nathan L, Eric, Jose, Nathan S, Zershwan, Wheat, and Al. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. We really appreciate your support. You really nailed the pff, okay there. I yeah, was thank nice. you, thank you. I hope that whoever that is appreciates that. <laughs> yeah, cannot say thank you enough to all of our patrons. The support we're receiving right now is overwhelming. The Discord really feels like it's growing. And I think as it's growing, it's continuing to improve because we're just getting more opinions and more thoughts from more people that care about Limited and want to dive into breaking the format just like all of you do. Yeah, it feels like you would think at some point, and maybe it will feel this way, but it doesn't yet. At some point, as the Discord grows, it would feel scattered or unorganized, and it doesn't. It just feels like it keeps like getting more and more refined the more people get in there. And everyone is on point. I think that's the other thing. Just because our show is geared towards people that are spiky, people aren't just like posting about random stuff. It's all about M20. I've literally barely drafted this week, but I have read the Discord almost entirely every day on my cell phone because I didn't have internet and I was starved for connection to people. <laughs> and I will say, I feel like I'm fairly in touch with the format still not having drafted much at all this week. I feel like I've got a good handle on what's going on strictly thanks to reading the Discord and keeping up with what folks are doing. If you can't tell, we're very proud of the Discord. It's a great place. We are also now partnering with Coalesce Apparel and Design, Magic's newest apparel company. And as part of this, we have a gift code for you to get 10% off your order, which pertains to any apparel on their website, not just Lords of Limited Apparel, which our Lords of Limited t-shirt is there available for you to order and a great way to show your support for the Lords of Limited podcast, as well as intimidate your FNM opponents or what have you. And that gift code is LOL, all caps. Again, that's LOL, all caps. So head on over to coalesceapparel.shop check out all their sweet swag and make sure you pick up your lords of limited t-shirt i am eagerly awaiting the arrival of my hashtag i'm with ben shirt i am as well i am ready to put on that bad boy at gp vegas let's go all right so let's just get right into things here talking about m20 bot drafts here uh so I, i'm just gonna start vomiting out some thoughts here ben and, and chime in when you when you feel it's appropriate. Absolutely. So my general feeling about M20 is that the colors are not created equal. And I think that's reflected in a fairly extreme way on Arena. So I think we're all in agreement, you and I, our listeners, I think sort of just the limited community at large, is that white is definitely the weakest color in the format. So, but the bots have not adjusted to that meta and they still draft its quote unquote best comments as highly as the other colors. So as a result, I believe you should rarely end up in white. Um, the few times my opponent has had a successful deck with white as the main color, it's been paired with blue. So we think about like cards like Pacifism, Griffin Protector, Aerial Assault, Dawning Angel, and even Raise the Alarm. They're not going late. Like sometimes you see Raise the Alarm a little late, um, but you're going to have a hard time coming up with a good base white deck on Arena because of this. Right. You're just less incentivized to go into the worst color because there's no self-correction on the arena metagame. So, 
you know, if your opponents are trying to consistently steer into the best colors and you're willing to draft white, I think just on average, you're going to end up with worse decks than your opponents. So just something to be aware of that arena isn't self-correcting and you don't get on MTGO. If you get into white, you assume you're going to get rewarded with cards like late pacifisms, late raise the alarms. That's just not going to be the case on arena. Yeah. And so if we look at the other end of the spectrum, I think black is the the color that's also the weirdest on arena because it's a great color in the format but it's overdrafted by the bots i think mostly because of murder i think the bots take murder super highly and as a result i want to make sure i'm receiving strong black signals before i move into black i don't think it's hard to get into black or like impossible or anything but i think you just need to be careful about reading signals that otherwise would be in paper versus not being so on arena. And I think the two main cards that pop out to me here are Audacious Thief and Gorging Vulture, which are cards that like, if I saw them like pick six, pick seven, midway through the pack, I would take that as a black signal. And I think on arena, it just doesn't mean anything. And the other reason that you want to be cautious about moving into black is because because of murder being like the main reason to get into black, it's one black black, right? You have to be base black you have to be putting like nine ten swamps in your deck and so you have to make sure that that color like it can't really be a support color if it's open and so you want to make sure that it's open so that it can be your base color so that you can afford to run like nine or ten swamps I agree with that completely. And I think just as a result of the bots picking murder highly, you don't see murder that often. And then you're just less incentivized to have black be your base color. Those are a couple of arena drafts I've done where I've had a murder and a few black cards that are pretty good, but I just can't play black because I can't afford to put nine swamps in my deck. I think it's hard to end up in a spot where you have the murders and you have the agonizing siphons. Both of those cards, I think get snatched up by the bots. And then as a result, you're just less incentivized to get deeper into black. So there's this sort of chicken and the egg kind of thing where you don't see the murders and the siphons. And then maybe you get one or two, but you're just you're just not incentivized to try to get deep into black. So I think it's pretty rare that you end up in black. But I think when you do, your deck's going to be pretty good because you're going to have had a lot of the good black cards because that's the only way you're going to end up heavy base black. Yeah, I would just say that, I mean, I have a super small sample size. I've done less than a dozen drafts on Arena, but I've been black a fair amount and mo- and my black decks have done well. Um, so I don't think it's, it's hard to get in there, but I just think I'm very attuned to this. And I think, you know, they talked about this on pro points. I've been watching a lot of Mike Sigrist's streams and he's, he was the one who like really planted this early, how he was like, I'm very cautious to get into black. And it made sense to me immediately. And I really took it to heart. And I think you just have to be aware of like those things that are normally signals otherwise that are not on arena. Yeah, makes sense to me. So that brings us to the teamer color pairs, right? So really basically avoiding white, mostly at all costs on arena, I would say, and then being cautious of black. So then you're left with blue, green, and red, which is almost certainly where you will end up most of the time. And it's where your opponents will end up most of the time. I have to say, like, it feels like nine out of 10 of my opponents are either like red, green, blue, green, or blue, red. It's really pretty crazy that way. Uh, These three colors, they have very deep commons, so you don't get as punished by weird bot signals as you might with black or white. Um, Right? You think about like white's commons are all kind of bad. Black's commons, it's sort of like jumps off a little bit after like number four. Right. There's a really steep dip. Yeah. Once you get past the two removal spells and those two good three drops, then you're just like, I don't really care about much of what this is. They also have fantastic synergy among each other with the elementals theme, right? So like you're going to get some sort of good little synergy 
or pockets of synergy or a very broad stroke of synergy among your whole deck if you end up in one of these teamer color pairs or if you end up in like two of them splashing a third. The other thing about them is that blue, green, and red are where most of the bot's underrated cards in the set live. And there's these are either cards that you'll see late or that might even consistently wheel. Um, so the, the cards that I'm going to throw out here that have I've seen from my experience, and also we're going to be tossing in some information from 17lands.com. So one of our Discord members, Viral Misnomer, um, we've talked about this before on the show, but uh, they have a website called 17lands.com, which is a fantastic resource. Highly recommend if you're drafting on Arena that you go and uh, sign up to 17lands.com. And he's not like asking us to do this or anything. I think it's just a really good place for the community to gather data. And it's also a really great way for you to just immediately get to track your drafts and your deck picks and your records so you don't even have to do it yourself it's just a really sweet website so the data from that about underrated cards and also my own experience sort of reflects this short list of commons uh lavakin brawler leafkin druid goblin smuggler thicket crasher mammoth spider and metropolis sprite all seem to be pretty underrated by the bots yeah i would agree with all of those lavakin brawler has felt pretty scarce to me. The one that's been the most egregious, I think, is Goblin Smuggler. There's times I can end up with five, six, seven Goblin Smugglers if I want them, and I don't think that should be the case. Goblin Smuggler is a pretty good card in this format. Yeah, I agree. I also think green is a great place to end up in on Arena because Evolving Wilds, Gift of Paradise, and the Dual Lands, to some extent, are not super high picks from the box. You can often just be a base green cast good stuff deck, which allows you to mitigate weird signals you'll receive from the bots. And I've had this happen more than I would like in the, the few drafts that I've done, like a color or color pair being super open in pack one, but then cut hard in pack three. I don't know if you've experienced this yet. Yeah, I have. And it's it's frustrating. I think one of the ways that I've adjusted to drafting on Arena versus MTGO is I really, really, really prioritize and value being able to get really deep into one color because I think it just lets you take advantage of what the bots are doing when they're sending weird signals. And maybe in pack two, there's a color that's randomly open that you weren't expecting or vice versa in pack three. So I really, really, really want to pick a base color and try to get super deep into it. And then you could sort of have wiggle room like you would in a normal draft to splish splash around and like sort of feel out what your second color is going to be. And I think getting deep into one really gives you that flexibility on arena. Yeah. I think M20 is kind of a, a frustrating set in general on Arena, at least in my experience, coming off the heels of War of the Spark. You know, War of the Spark, there's a lot of power, even at the common level of cards. But in M20, the power level drops off at a pretty steep rate from like, you know, the top three or four commons in the in each color or like the top few uncommons in each color to then the rest of the field. And you can feel like the packs get shallow really quickly because of that. And so then I'm sort of happy in those packs. If I can take a dual land, like a relevant dual land, like a Saltai or a Teamer dual land, basically one that's not white or Evolving Wilds, things like that are are really good places to be to leave you flexible down the road. And, and by down the road, I don't generally mean later on in that pack. I mean, like once maybe pack two presents what your second color should be. And so that even speaks to what you're talking about, about trying to be deep in one color in pack one, because I feel like oftentimes pack two is going to give you something good, but it may not be one of the two colors you navigated in pack one. So you probably want to leave yourself open to that for pack two. Yeah, I agree. That's frequently what I've experienced in pack two is that I've cut a color or two colors. And what I'm seeing in pack two is not what I would expect to see 
based on what I have cut. Yeah. Um, moving into like just sort of some specific cards that I, I see like come up a lot. Um, fairy miscreants are a fairly reliable wheel on arena. So I think you should be aware of them. If you're drafting blue, you can generally expect to see them even late in the pack with like, you know, four cards left. Um, again, small sample size, but I think that, uh, that those are, are good to get. And if you can get like four or more of them, they're pretty sweet. And if you have any synergy, as we talked about, I think last week, like if you have Yarok's wave crasher or portal of sanctuary, or if you're drafting the sages road, denizen mill deck, like if, if you care about anything like that, the fairy miscreants are going to be good in your deck. Yeah. And I think even good enough that it's worth taking a flyer on them early in pack one, Mm-hmm. Just because once you get the first one and then you start to wheel them, I think once you get four, that's a super good card. And I think it's possible. I've seen some screenshots in Discord of like up to eight. And I think I've also seen several screenshots in the Discord of some Safara's alternate casting cost off of Triple Fairy Miscreant. So there's some nonsense to be had there for sure. Uh, looks like we're going to disagree a little bit on this next point, but uh, I see folks playing the renowned Weaponsmith plus multiple bows and vials package. I think. I'm seeing that way too much. I think just because you can get these cards in droves, mostly the bows and the vials, I don't think that means you should be filling your deck up with them. I think the strategy is very fragile, and I've been able to disrupt my opponent doing it fairly easily. Yeah, it's funny. I have the exact opposite experience of this. And again, I have a super small sample size, even smaller than yours. But I have played with a deck with Weaponsmith and three bows, and I initially started with only two bows. And I think once you just have more than one bow, you kind of want as many as you can get. Anytime I assembled all three bows, it was nearly unbeatable. And I had a couple opponents that were doing the same thing against me. And it was really difficult to interact with. And sort of it was sort of an arms race in one match for who could get the most bows first and just start mowing down your opponent's team. Once you get three, your creatures turn into a glory bringer every turn, which is super real, I think. So I think you either want exactly one bow or you want as many bows as you can get with your weaponsmiths. And I think weaponsmiths go late on arena. I think you can sometimes wheel them, and the bows pretty reliably wheel. The vials I'm a lot less interested in than the than the bows, but I do think that's pretty real from the limited experience I had last night. And I think also the arena metagame is so different from the MTGO metagame. I think a lot of the cards that you can get late like Goblin Smugglers or Fairy Miscreants, and then people are playing Cloudkin Seers. There are a lot of good cards in this format with two toughness or less. There's Risen Reefs floating around. I just think with the metagame that I saw on Arena last night, I feel like Bo lines up pretty well against it. I mean, that all sounds pretty good to me. Maybe I need to just play with it myself, but I'm so loath to do that. But maybe I should just do it for science and then see, see how it fares against what my opponents are doing. Well, the turning point for me was when I had the three bows and I only started two. And then once I searched up the second bow, I was like, wow, I really wish I could search up my third bow. This would be busted. And so I put the third one in and I was very happy once I put the third bow in my deck. I think my deck was actively better. But what about the scenarios where you just draw a bunch of bows? Is that still good? I was still fine. like, But I think Bose just lines up well against the arena format. Now, granted, I'm playing in like the high silver tiers right now because I haven't drafted much. So maybe that's a different story once you get up into platinum diamond, but certainly felt very good where I was playing it. All right, sweet. No, that, that makes sense to me. So I think the best decks that I've seen, either from my opponent or from myself, are on these, these poles of either aggro or... Uh, super, super late game. So I think red, green, and blue, white are the best beatdown decks. And I, I think this is probably in, in best of one, not best of three. I, I would be, 
I don't think you want to be drafting super beat down decks in, in best of one, but maybe I'm wrong. But I think you can cheese some wins with aggro decks, red, green, and blue, white, or some Sultai value grind you into oblivion decks. I still think Ben's stigma of DBM don't be mid range holds true here. I think you either want to end the game quickly, and I think red, green, and blue, white do the best job of that or get to your late game value engines. I don't really feel like there's an in-between. So I think in addition to Sultai, I would add blue-red to that list as well. And I think, you know, we've talked about the Sultai color pairs being the best in the format on MTGO. And I do think that's very true for MTGO. I do think it's actively different on Arena. I think Teamer are pretty clearly, you know, as we as you outlined at the top of the show, you know, Teamer's the deepest and I think the most reliable thing to draft. And I do think you can be a little more mid-rangey if you've got the elemental synergies in the teamer decks. And I think on Arena, it's a lot easier to get the elemental synergies because nobody's competing with you. Again, there's no self-correction. So it's so much easier to pick up critical masses of Chandra's Embercats into Lavakin Brawlers. Or, you know, I was listening to Limited Resources yesterday on my drive to a golf course and... LSV and Marshall got like an eighth pick Risen Reef or something. That's never going to happen on MTGO or very, very rarely. So I think, you know, just the fact that there's no self-correction with other people competing with you for the elemental synergies does make the teamer elemental mid-range a little bit more of a viable deck on Arena. Yeah. All right. So I want to move into just sort of broad strokes of overrated and underrated cards. Um, And this is drawing a lot from what 17 lands has to offer in terms of cards that are more or less likely to wheel or to go late and how they're sort of valued as being over or underrated is based on like where the bots take them versus where people seem to be taking them. Um, So cards that are overvalued by the bots on arena are Marauder's Axe, Steadfast Sentry, Destructive Digger, Centaur Courser, Colossus Hammer, Herald of the Sun, Devout Decree, Ether Gust, Cryptic Caves, Captivating Gyre. And then I found these four really interesting. We've got Corpse Knight, Ogre Siegebreaker, Sky Knight Vanguard, and Empyrean Eagle. So four of the 10 gold uncommons seem to be overvalued by the bots. And most of those are the weaker ones outside of Empyrean Eagle. Right. Which is just further incentivizing you to stay away from the color pairs that are not as good. Right. I mean, and you got the white black one, the white red one, and now the white blue one. It's just like, why would I ever draft white? Right. Yeah, it's just so tough to get into white on arena. And I for science in one of my arena drafts, and we might do we're going to do several uh, bot draft roundtables towards the end of the episode after we get just done talking about the main points so that we have a little more context for the bot drafts. But I first picked a master splicer over a over a leafkin druid. And I was pretty sure it was right to take the leafkin druid. But chat ultimately ended up talking me into taking master splicer for science. And I indeed ended up getting pushed off white and the leafkin druid would have been a much better pick in my deck. Yeah. Hashtag never be white. So some undervalued cards by the bots. Uh, the teamer cards we listed previously, like Lavakin Brawler, Leafkin Druid, Goblin Smuggler, and Friends, Risen Reef, Overgrowth Elemental, Season of Growth, Blood for Bones, Pulse of Marasa, Woodland Champion, Scuttlemutt, Pattern Matcher, basically always wheels. And I think that card goes up in value a little bit on Arena as well because it's easier to pick up multiple copies of cards that are good that the bots undervalue. So I think that has a little more intrinsic value on Arena than it does on MTGO, but very good on both platforms. Yorox Fenlurker, that's the black, black 1-1 that you can pump itself, sort of a shade effect, basically always wheels and is definitely not a black signal. Have you had some bad experiences there? Ethan, type that in all caps in our show notes. Yeah, I just think it's good to note because I think this card is really good. I never got 
trapped by it or tricked by it, but I've seen it so many times, like six or seven pick. And I just have to remind myself, like I could take a flyer on this, but there's no reason to, because it's not a black signal. Like I need other things to be sent to me late to think that black is open. Whereas on MTGO, if I saw this six or seven pick, I'd be like, whoa, what is happening? And I'd snap it up and I'd expect black to be open. Right. And the last couple of undervalued cards here are Spectral Sailor, which is again busted and Loyal Pegasus basically always wheels. And is one of the reasons that blue, white tempo aggro flyers deck can be really strong when it comes together. Right. I mean, if you can get two or three of those, and if you're getting all the fairy miscreants, like the fact that you get all these one drop flyers that are going to go super late. I think that's what makes that deck so viable and so potent on Arena specifically. And so while we're talking about a lot of uncommons here that might be overvalued and undervalued, in previous bot draft episodes, in previous sets, there was a fixed print run for uncommons where you know people had compiled it and you could look at a file that showed you the order of uncommons and you could sort of see what had been taken out of the the packs by the bots uncommon wise or at least have a very good idea between two cards and usually one of the two cards was better so you could assume those print runs are no longer in effect as far as we can tell so they've fixed that so that's a little bit uh less of a way to exploit the bots and i think ultimately a good thing anyway because i don't feel like you gleaned much information from trying to use those uncommon print runs right i mean you could tell what cards were taken but that didn't really mean anything again because i don't think the bots are drafting decks they're just drafting to pick orders right 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 a little bit of thought of best of one versus best of three now that we have both of those at our disposal So in the packs where you're picking between a bunch of replacement level cards, that's where grabbing those powerful sideboard cards is really sweet. So I've found both in MTGO and on Arena that I'd be able to get a pretty deep roster of uh, sideboard cards that I'd be happy to, to switch in, right? You've got the uncommon color hosers, both the creatures and the spells. There's Plummet, Natural End, Retributive Wand, Heart Piercer Bow, Reckless Airstrike, and so many more that beef up your sideboard to make sure you have a ton of options to tune your deck for game two and three. In best of one, however, a lot of those cards are just unplayable, right? They're just blanks in the pack, which just sort of adds to more of the weak power level of a lot of packs that you'll see once you get to like pick five, pick six even, um, because you don't want those cards in your main deck and then you don't have a sideboard. Right. That was a pretty big feel bad for me when I drafted just the few best of one drafts I did on Arena yesterday and this morning. There are some packs where you just want to take a sideboard card and you can't. And then there's nothing else for you in the pack. So you're just like, oh, this is awful. I think that's an especially feel bad moment that M20 brings to the best of one experience. I agree. So Looking at cards from that list that I would still consider main deck material if I'm short on playables, I think Plummet is a fine include. Unless you're against red-green exactly, you're almost certainly going to have a target for this. Um, even Aethergust, that's the blue uncommon, put a red or green spell or permanent on top or bottom of its owner's library. Again, like if you're against blue-black, that's really the only deck that's going to punish you hard for having that in your main. Negate is not exciting, but it's not embarrassing. Your opponent's going to have targets for it. Devout Decree, I think, is good, again, because your opponents are likely going to be black or red. But this isn't a pinch, but the hope is that you're not white. So uh, if you're white for a reason, you shouldn't be sure on playables. Um, So I don't think Devout Decree should come up that much. And I've seen these be played a lot, the uncommon color protection creatures. I don't think you should be playing those. They're really all too low impact if you don't get the protection value. And unlike some of the spells where you've got like red or green, red or black, like these are just against one color. And more often than not, your opponents aren't going to be playing those colors, probably. Yeah, I think I would be okay 
putting the red one in my main deck. That one's got some synergy with Goblin Smuggler and oh, can do some fair. good that's things. Fair. And the white one, I think, in a pinch, like it's a two one. I think those two, you're less miserable main decking. I think the other ones you're hoping to not main deck. Yeah, but again, I'll say for the white one, like if you're in white, you should not be short playables. Right, right, right. You should be white for a very good reason. But maybe there's also a level two on arena. And, you know, once we start to do more arena drafts that, you know, if people are playing teamer, maybe the maybe you just try to mize with the pro red, pro green, pro blue ones. Yeah, I think that's not a terrible place to be. I just think that those creatures are kind of small, like maybe Cerulean Drake. If you've got some like flyer synergy, if you're in like blue, white and you've got Empyrean Eagle. Yeah, that's not crazy. Um, I don't know. Even like the Blight Beetle seems kind of weak sauce to me. I agree, but I've gotten pretty owned by Blight Beetle even not being green before with some plus one, plus one counter stuff. Of course you would. That's just that's just the classic <laughs> Ben situation. Got a little bit more information here from 17lands.com and Viral Misnomer in particular. So thank you for this. Um, he says the bots don't rare draft quite as much in M20 as they did in War, but it's close. Um, says it seems that the only rares the bots haven't passed in our data, which is about 400 drafts, are the colorless cards. So you've got Scrylands, Golos, Steel Overseer, and Mystic Forge, and all minus mystic forge i think all of those are pretty good cards um this means they occasionally take some uncommons in their colors over off color rares however most rares are still picked up by pick two or three as far as the metagame goes blue at 50.9 percent and green at 50.1 percent are by far the most common colors to play against red at 38.9 percent black at 36.2 percent are in the middle so red and green so red and black sort of in the middle there and white at the and white is the least common at 31.7%, which I think matches up exactly as how I picture the arena metagame. So by mm-hmm. sort of blue and green are the two best colors, significant gap, then red followed by black as sort of the middle ground and then significant gap followed by white. So that all makes perfect sense to me there. And I do think the order switches for me in color goodness between arena and MTGO, but maybe maybe it should just be blue, green, red on MTGO as well. But I definitely think that's true on Arena. Yeah. And we just had a post in our Discord about stats for most played cards from people with 55% or higher win rates. But it's pretty interesting because even people with 45% win rates uh, have the same top six commons played. So we're seeing the same popular cards here from players who are having mild to good success in the format. So we're seeing Lavakin Brawler, Leafkin Druid, Goblin Smuggler, Audacious Thief, Frostlinks, and Thicket Crasher as the top six cards for both of those sets of players, which just sort of lines up with, you know, the underrated cards by the bots, the cards that line up in the colors that you're most often going to end up in, and the cards that have like mild to heavy synergies in terms of like Goblin Smuggler plus Lavakin Brawler or just elementals I, like this all makes total sense to me. Right. And just getting a little deeper on the list, you go down in the 55% people, murder, mammoth spider, shock, netcaster spider, pattern matcher, rabbit bite, reduced ashes, metropolis sprite. So, and that's, that all sort of leads itself to the sameness of MTG arena drafts as well, which I was experiencing last night, just in my one rank draft that I went all the way through and went seven, two in, I was blue red and on the way to my seven two, I played against five opponents that were blue red and had almost identical cards in their deck to mine. It just just in a very small sample size, I felt that much more than I do on MT Joe, which is not to say that like MT Joe is better than arena. I mean, it is, but <laughs> like it's just a different experience. And that's something you need to be prepared for that, you know, people are going to be playing these cards and you need to try to have a strategy against them. 
Yeah, it's so interesting because I feel like I came to these conclusions very early. And so the arena bot drafts have been kind of fun. I mean, I imagine that novelty will wear off, but it's been fun going in knowing like, here's how I'm going to game the system and feeling like I've been rewarded for doing so. But then the repetitive nature of what your opponents are playing does get tiresome. Yep, makes sense to me. So I think that's all the technical info we've got. I want to dive into some roundtables here and try to put this into practice. Are you ready to take a seat at the roundtable, Ethan? Yes, sir. Okay, so pack one, pick one, fairly weak pack here. You see the following cards in consideration. Raise the alarm, one and a white instant, create two one one white soldier creature tokens. Audacious thief, two and a black for a two two. When it attacks, you draw a card and you lose a life. Rapacious dragon, four and a red for the three three flyer. When it ETBs, create two treasure tokens. And pulse of Marasa, two and a green for the instant. Return target creature or land card from a graveyard to its owner's hand. You gain six life. So I'm currently in the process of writing my next card sphere article, which is about uh, the clear the mind 2.0 deck that exists in m20 which is the black green like super recursion deck oh man i saw you post a picture of that deck on twitter and it looked sexy i am obsessed with black green in this format it's i think my favorite color pair right now and it's because of cards like pulse of marasa it's because of the redundancy of these effects that exist like pulse of marasa soul salvage blood for bones and Gravedigger. um so i love pulse of marasa i think it's a really strong card i think it's like really pretty underrated by humans and bots alike i think you could probably get it late here like if you were really trying to game the system you might even be able to wheel it on arena um but it's just the best card here right yeah that would make me nervous i think it's the best card here on mtgo or mtg arena i think it's got the highest ceiling and the most power level so i slammed pulse of marasa there moving on to pack one pick two you see the following cards as options there's an evolving wilds Land, you play it, tap, sack it, search your library for a basic land card, put it on the battlefield, tap, then shuffle your library. Griffin Protector is the best white card, but we're not looking to be white. Chandra's Outrage, two red red for an instant, deals four damage to target creature and two damage to that creature's controller. Boreal Elemental, four and a blue for the three four flyer, spells your opponent's cast the target Boreal Elemental, cost two more to cast. And Audacious Thief is really the only other card in the pack that's in consideration Rare still in the pack, uncommon missing, but rare is scheming symmetry, so not playing that. Audacious Thief, two and a black for the 2-2. When it attacks, you draw a card and you lose one life. Yeah, I mean, I think this is we're, we're still not in any difference between paper or MTGO and arena. Um, I think Chandra's Outrage is the best card in the pack. There's no green card really to speak of to follow up with Pulse. So I think Chandra's Outrage is a pretty easy pick here. Yep, it was a clear pick for me, and I took it there. Moving on to pack one, pick three. Again, still probably drafting the same way on MTGO versus Arena here. Cards in consideration. There's an overcome, three green green sorcery. Creatures you control get plus two, plus two and gain trample until end of turn. A rare and an uncommon missing. So not much signaling. Although I don't even think we're really trying to read signals from the bots, honestly. (laughs) I think you're trying to read signals in a different way, right? I think it's not about like looking at like what sort of rarity of stuff is missing, but more just looking at like maybe color density or like understanding when cards are going later than they should based on what you know about what the bots are doing. I also think there's sort of this sense of signals in the sense of there's, you start to see a flow of a color and it doesn't necessarily hold true for the entire draft or for the entire direction you're going. But I oftentimes find once I get a good card in a color, my next few picks tend to have good cards of that color so trying to find these these chunks of sections of a draft where a color is flowing on arena and trying to take advantage of that yeah so 
I totally lost where I was. We have Overcome in consideration, and really the only other card that's in consideration is Shock, single red for an instant, deals two damage to any target, and not just because we have a Pulse of Ross and a Chandra's Outrage so far. Overcome and Shock are just the two best cards in the pack, and everything else is kind of fillerish. Yeah, I mean, the next best card is like Kelden Raider, but you're not taking that over Shock at any point. Right. Yeah, I think I would just take Shock here. I mean, I recognize that Overcome is better here than it was an Hour of Devastation, but it's still not a card that I'm happy to take. What was that? Could you say that again? Wait, did you not hear me or you just want me to say that Overcome was better? I just want you to say that Overcome was better again. Uh, <laughs> Sorry. No, it's fine. I like I I was like, am I cut it, cutting out? But then I realized you were probably just trolling me. I'll say <laughs> it again if you want. No, it's fine. So we take Shock here, and again, no real difference between MTGO and Arena so far, but the differences are going to come. Moving on to pack one, pick four, you see the following cards in consideration. Overgrowth Elemental, two and a green for the 3-2. When it ETBs, put a plus one plus one counter on target Elemental you control. Whenever another creature you control dies, you gain a life. If that creature was an Elemental, you put a plus one plus one counter on Overgrowth Elemental. There's also Chandra's Ember Cat, one in a red for the 2-2. Tap, add red, spend this mana only to cast an Elemental spell or a Chandra Planeswalker spell. And again, those happen to be both of the colors we are, but those are both of the best cards in the pack by a considerable margin, and everything else in the pack is filler. Yeah, and so here I think is a pretty good difference between how I would draft on Arena and how I would draft on MTGO. On MTGO, I think Overgrowth Elemental fourth is a signal, and I would take it here to follow up with my pulse. Or maybe even if I didn't have a green card, let's say we like if it was red, red, and a black card or something, I don't know. I still think I would probably hedge on Overgrowth Elemental here. But on Arena, I'm so much more interested in being deep in one color at the end of pack one than like being in two colors that I think Embercat, while it's worse, is just going to be good in my red deck no matter what. And it's going to let me continue to just take good red cards here. That's how I felt as well. And I think I would also be on Overgrowth Elemental. But then after thinking about it some more, I could honestly see Chandra's Embercat being the right pick on MTGO here too. But I would be much more tempted to take Overgrowth Elemental. And I think in the heat of the moment on MTGO, I would have taken Overgrowth Elemental. But on Arena, I really want Embercat, like you said, to get deeper into red. So now we've got Embercat, Outrage, Shock, and a Pulse of Marasa in our pile. Moving on to pack one, pick five. See the following cards as options. There's a Windscarred Crag. The Red White Tapped Land, Audacious Thief, two and a black for a 2-2. When it attacks, you draw a card, you lose a life. And really, the next best card in our colors is like Brightwood Tracker, three and a green for the 2-4. You have activated ability of five and a green tap. Look at the top four cards of your library. You can reveal a creature card from among them and put it in your hand. Put the rest on the bottom of your library in a random order. I like Brightwood Tracker so much, but it the, the kinds of decks that it belongs in are so slim. Like, I don't think it goes in green-red. I don't think it goes in green-black. Like... I just I like the card by itself. But when I think about it in the context of the four color pairs it can be in, I just I'm like, that's so narrow. I think it also goes up in value when you have creature bombs to go dig for. Sure. Then you're happy including it in almost any green deck. But it certainly with what we're doing right now, I think you don't need to pick it this highly. You want exactly one. Yeah, you can definitely get them late if if green is open, especially on arena. Um, I mean, Audacious Thief is the best card in this pack. And again, if this were MTGO, I'd be like, well, maybe this is a black signal. But on Arena, I know it's not a black signal. Right. But I think it's still the pick here anyway, because you have two great removal spells. And Audacious Thief is just very good in tandem with removal. And it's going to be great with Goblin Smuggler, which you know you can get. And so if black ends up being open in pack two, which it can be, and then maybe even randomly in pack three sometimes, like there's no real consistency in terms of like the directions of bots. Like again, as I've said before, I feel like I've had many, many drafts on Arena where I feel like a color 
or color pairs open in pack one. And then in pack three, it's just totally gone. Um, so don't really like try and rely on things in that way. But it's definitely possible that black could be open. So I'm not mad about taking Audacious Thief here, but it's not as exciting a pickup as I think it would be on MTGO. I agree. So we've got Shock, Embercat, Audacious Thief, Pulse, and Outrage in our pile now. Moving on to pack one, pick six. There are zero red cards in this pack, zero black cards in this pack, and your only green card is Naturalin. So a plethora of blue and white here, and the white cards are Steadfast Sentry, Squad Captain, Inspiring Captain, and God's Willing. And in blue, the best card is a Frilled Sea Serpent. So I think this is a big difference between MTGO and Arena. On MTGO, seeing this density of playable white cards, I would be thinking I should take a white card here and I should try to move into white. On Arena, it's just not tempting to me because one, I don't trust that I'm going to continue seeing white. And two, the white cards aren't good enough to really push me into what is by far the worst color in the set. Yeah, it's so interesting. Like even as loath as I am to draft white, even on MTGO, it's hard to ignore this kind of signal, like four white cards in this pack. But I just have no interest in moving into white, even for some sort of like signal reading stuff like this that I would value on MTGO or in paper. But here I would just, I'm just ignoring it. So like, it doesn't matter what I take here. I don't think it's going to make my deck very often. Like if I take Frilled Sea Serpent, but I just think it's so interesting how much of a non-signal this feels. Right. So I took Frilled Sea Serpent here because I think there's a chance you end up in one of the teamer color pairs and it's at least a playable card. But I definitely avoided white here and I think it was correct to do so. Moving on to pack one, pick seven, boom, zero white cards in the pack. Welcome to drafting with bots. <laughs> like what what is going on here? So you just saw a pack with four playable white cards and then nothing. So this pack is very deep in blue and red. Still four red cards in the pack, three blue cards in the pack. Cards in consideration, there is... Sleep Paralysis, three and a blue. Enchant Creature, when it enters the battlefield, tap Enchanted Creature. Enchanted Creature doesn't untap during its controller's untap step. And Destructive Digger, two and a red for the three, two, three tap, sacrifice an artifact or a land, draw a card. Yeah, I mean, we've got three red cards. I would like to keep taking red, keep getting deeper into red. So Destructive Digger is a great pickup for me. I agree. And I think this might be another place where you're different on MTGO and Arena. I think Sleep Paralysis is fairly late here. It's not a great card, but it's a playable removal spell. I think on MTGO, I might be trying to move into blue, but on Arena, Destructive Digger just feels great here to solidify myself deeper into red and continue giving myself time to feel out what I want my second color to be based on what the bots are doing. I don't know, man. I'm I'm so low on sleep paralysis these days. Like, I'm pretty low on pacifism, and sleep paralysis feels worse than pacifism. I agree. I, I could see Destructive Digger still being the pick on MTGO here. I just think it's a, I think it's a lot closer on MTGO than it is on Arena. Sure. Yeah, yeah. Pack one, pick eight. You pick up a Scorch Spitter out of a very weak pack. Just get deeper into red. Then you get a Kelden Raider. Pack one, pick nine. So you've solidified yourself in red. Evolving Wilds wield. Yeah, we got we wield an Evolving Wilds, which is just a great pickup. And I think there's another interesting pick on pack two, pick one. So you have a choice between your heavy and red at this point. So deck looks like this so far. Scorch Spitter, Shock, Embercat, Digger, Raider, Outrage. And then green cards, really the only green playable we have to speak of is Pulse of Marasa. And you've got an Audacious Thief floating around, still trying to figure out what your second color is. Pack two, pick one, you have a choice between Lavakin Brawler and Creeping Trailblazer. And I think Trailblazer is a better card, certainly if you're going to be red-green. But I think we just don't know if we're going to be red-green. And again, we just want to get deeper into red. So I think Lavakin Brawler is the pick here, pack two, pick one. Yeah, like I think if you see this as getting passed to you, like if you're getting this choice, pick two or pick three... Then I think I probably take the Trailblazer because I might re like try and 
think about like, well, maybe now I'm going to get green from the left, but as a pack two pick one, I agree with just taking the red card here. And then pack two pick two, you get hooked up with Vivian Arcbow Ranger. So we got rewarded for staying red, pick up our Vivian Arcbow Ranger that seals us into red green and ended up drafting red green. And I have not played this deck out yet. But I think the draft went very well. And I think it was interesting, those decision points with Arena versus MTGO. Yeah, for sure. All right. Well, uh, I think we got time for one more here. How would you like to take a seat at the round table here, Ben? Would love to. All right. So pack one, pick one. You see the following cards as options. There's a murder. There's a Leafkin Druid. Those are the two best commons, I would say. And then uh, at Uncommon, you've got a Season of Growth. And your rare is Marauding Raptor. That's the one in a red 2-3 creature spells you cast. Cost one less to cast, and whenever another creature enters the battlefield under your control, Marauding Raptor deals two damage to it. If it's a dinosaur, Marauding Raptor gets plus two, plus zero oh until end of turn. I think Marauding Raptor is by and large a trap in limited. I think every once in a while you might fall into a deck where it's playable or maybe even good. But taking this early and trying to build around it just seems like a mistake to me. It's such a huge deck building cost when this is on the battlefield to try to make anything work with it for not a significant power level bump or a it's a powerful card, but you don't get a significant enough power level bump for the deck building restrictions it places on your deck. I 100% agree. So that leaves us deciding between I think Leafkin Druid is just better than Season of Growth between Leafkin Druid and Murder. And I think this pick is really interesting on Arena. For me on MTGO, I'm slamming Murder here. On Arena, I am wary enough of getting into black that I would actually be on Leafkin Druid here. That's really interesting. I think there's definitely an argument to that. I just think that's overcorrecting a little too much. I don't think black is that hard to get into. And I think starting off with a murder means that then I'm happier about seeing the Audacious Thieves and the Gorging Vultures fifth or sixth because I already have a murder in my pile. And I feel like that can happen. But I think there's uh, I think there's definitely an argument to them being very close here. I think locking up a murder pack one pick one also makes cards like Scholar of the Ages better, which is, you know, a card you're more likely to see on Arena, I think, than MTGO. And mm -hmm. I think murder might even be the harder of that combo to pick up. That's yeah, that's a really good point. So I went with the murder here, uh, but uh, I think the Leaf Kindred is, is defensible as well. Moving on to pack one pick two. See the following cards as options. There's really not mm, any commons to speak of here. There's a rare missing. And then the, I think the two best cards in the pack are Air Elemental and Pattern Matcher at Uncommon. So between the two cards, Pattern Matcher and Air Elemental, I think Air Elemental is just a higher upside card. And I do think Air Elemental with four power is enough better than Boreal Elemental that I think it gets a significant bump. I think it is a notch better than Boreal Elemental, and I'm happy to pick it early here and try to get my foot into blue. Elemental is also a nice bump for it as well. So would land on Air Elemental over Pattern Matcher here. Yeah, and I'm going to expect to wheel Pattern Matcher here, whereas on MTGO, I definitely wouldn't because I think this pack is super weak. Ooh, that's spicy. I'm curious to see if we do. Yeah. Uh, moving on to pack one, pick three. See the following cards. There's a Jungle Hollow, that's the black-green tapped land that gains you a life. There is Reduced to Ashes, four and a red to deal five to target creature. If the creature would die, you exile it instead. There's Mammoth Spider, four and a green for the three five with reach. And not much to speak of. I mean, this, we're looking at pick three, and this pack is pretty weak sauce. Yeah, this tough pick here. I think you can make a case for any of Jungle Hollow, Mammoth Spider, and Reduced to Ashes. I'm not in love with any of those cards, I think for me, ultimately, it would boil down to Mammoth Spider versus Jungle Hollow. But already having Air Elemental, I'm not in a hurry to pick up another five drop. I think I just want to postpone the decision and take Jungle Hollow here to go along with the murder and maybe open up 
a green splash for a card like Pulse of Morasa that's really powerful or something like that down the road. So I'm happy to pick up Jungle Hollow here to go along with my murder and air elemental. Yeah. And again, like, I mean, Mammoth Spider might be the best card here. But if we know about the things that we can exploit the bots for, it's that Mammoth Spiders are going to go late. So if green is going to be open, I'm going to get Mammoth Spiders. I don't need to take it here. Whereas like, I really like, especially the Sultai dual lands. I like getting access to those. Yeah, I think they're premium. So I grabbed Jungle Hollow here. Moving on to pack one, pick four. There's a winged words, two and a blue for the sorcery to draw two cards. Costs one less if you have a creature with flying. There's Pack Mastiff, one and a red for the 2-2. You can pay one and a red to give each creature you control named Pack Mastiff plus one plus O until end of turn. And a Gorging Vulture, the two and a black 2-2 with flying. When it enters the battlefield, put the top four cards of your library into your graveyard. You gain a life for each creature put into the graveyard this way. Yeah, I think would rule out Pack Mastiff immediately because I just want to get deeper into one of the two colors I already have rather than try to move around. And I, I don't think that's a way to stay open on Arena. You know, on MTGO, we talk about at times staying open by... like there's versions of staying open and one of those versions is having cards that are like you have a green card a red card a blue card a white card at the end of your first four picks and then you have a lot of options for avenues to go down i do not think that's a good way to stay open on mtg arena so ruling out pack mastiff here and looking at gorging vulture versus winged words i think winged words is just a better card in a vacuum i think murder is better than air elemental but again i just don't trust that black's going to be open enough so i think i'm going to take the better card in winged words here to pair up with my air elemental i think this is an interesting pick to highlight between bot drafting and uh, human drafting in that i think i might be inclined to take gorging vulture on mtgo to pair like i've got a black land i've got murder already as you said murder is better than air elemental i think um but on arena i think Black is going to be harder to get into. I think Winged Words is close with Gorging Vulture. And so I think taking it here, uh, definitely on Arena, feels better to me. So moving on to pick five, another kind of weak pack. There's a Frilled Sea Serpent. There's Bone to Ash as the two blue cards. And then not really much else to speak of in terms of like green, blue, probably like the best red card is... I don't know. Where are you at on Scampering Scorcher, the three and a red one one that makes two other one ones? I think it's either really good or not good, depending on the context of your deck. I think if you have the elemental synergies and you have ways to pump the tokens or go wide or take advantage of elementals entering the battlefield, it's a strong card. And I think if you don't have ways to make the one ones relevant, either through synergy or through pumping them, it's a pretty bad card. And I've seen a lot of opponents playing them, I think that should not be. So I think you know, it's got a really high ceiling, but a really low floor as well. Yeah. So I think between those cards here, though, I, I'm unexcited enough by Frilled Sea Serpent and Bone to Ash that I think I would take a flyer here on Scampering Scorcher and just dip into red. Red's a color that's frequently open on Arena. And I think of the cards in this pack, it's certainly the highest ceiling. And I think I'm willing to take a flyer on it here. Yeah, I elected to just go with our uh, initial strategy of trying to get deep into one color. And even though I think both of these blue cards are kind of weak, I was just trying to navigate it that way so I could try and just be the one color at the end of this first pack. So I grabbed Bone to Ash, which is a card that I'm not happy to main deck, but I will reluctantly do so. And I think it gets better if we are blue-black, like the more instants that you do have, like it gets a little better. So I, th I think it's fine here, but I think taking a flyer on the red card here is also totally defensible. That's fair. I just think Bone to Ash, if you're in blue, you're going to have copies of it if you want copies of it. And I think Max, you're probably wanting to play one copy. That That's why I lean toward the Scampering Scorcher here. No, it makes total sense. Pack one, pick six. There's an Evolving Wilds. There's more Counter Magic. There's another Negate and another Bone to Ash. 
In green, we've got a Sedge Scorpion and a Mammoth Spider. And in red, we've got a Chandra's Ember Cat and another Scampering Scorcher. Yeah, so had I taken the Scampering Scorcher last pick, I would be slamming Chandra's Ember Cat here, I think, and I would be pretty happy about it. Since we didn't do that, if we took Bone to Ash, this pack is a lot less exciting for us, right? We have no green cards, and Mammoth Spider and Sedge Scorpion aren't really good enough to push us into green. We mm-hmm. don't want a second bone to ash as like the best blue card in the pack. So I think we're settling for evolving wilds here, which is going to give us a lot of flexibility down the road as far as splashing. And, you know, certainly if we're blue black, you know, could splash green pretty easily now, which is a valuable thing to pick up at this point in the draft. Yeah, I think also worth noting that like, although Sedge Scorpion and Mammoth Spider are good cards, I don't think they're good in blue green. Like they don't have elemental synergy. And I think that's really what blue green wants to be taking advantage of. Yeah, that makes sense to me. So yeah, took Evolving Wilds. I was pretty happy about it here. Uh, moving on to pack one, pick seven. We see the choice between Fairy Miscreant and Bone Splinters, I think, is the two best cards. There's also an Anvil Rot Raptor, the four mana 2-1 flyer with First Strike. Yeah, and just to highlight, the only red card in the pack here is Reckless Airstrike, which is not playable, particularly certainly not in best of one. And after seeing Scampering Scorcher pick five into a pack with Embercat and Scampering Scorcher pick six, I would expect to continue seeing red. And you just don't. You just can't trust the bots. I think if there's anything you take away from this episode and what we're telling you about drafting on Arena, I think just try to get deep into one color and don't trust the bots. Yep, 100%. So weak pack here again, like Bone Splinters is probably the best card in the pack. I don't think that's at its best in blue black. I certainly think it is better in black, white or black green, I think is actually where its best home is. Yeah. So I think ultimately I would settle on Fairy Miscreant here, taking a flyer on it. You know, I think... That's a card that's undervalued by the bots. If you get multiples, it's very good. And I think taking one here, you know, we ha- we haven't seen any yet to where we're going to wheel any, but I think taking a flyer here and maybe you get hooked up in pack two and three with Fairy Miscreants is worth a pick here. This is, again, I think a different pick than I would make on MTGO. I think I would probably take Bone Splinters here just because it's a much better card. And I'm not as excited about being the fairy miscreant drafter with humans as I am with the bots. Right, because all it takes is one person to also hedge on miscreants, and all of a sudden, both of you don't get to play fairy miscreants. Yeah, and I just know that the bots are not hedging on it. So yeah, I took fairy miscreant here, and I was not unhappy about it. Moving on to pack one, pick eight. There's a couple blue cards. There's a befuddle and a frilled sea serpent, and there's also a gift of paradise. Yeah, I think both of those blue cards are replaceable, and I think gift of paradise is not. So I think I would land on Gift of Paradise here and maybe be trying to feel out whether... So I think at this point, we feel like we're probably base blue Mm -hmm. and trying to feel out what my second color is. And worth noting that after first picking the murder, we still have not seen a single black card that we were interested in taking yet. There was the third pick, Gorging Vulture, but again, we we took winged words over that. Uh, What we see on the wheel here is Season of Growth, Octoprofit, and Anticipate. So like, you know, some replacement level blue cards, but cards that you're fine to play. And then like a pretty good green card after we saw the Gift of Paradise. Yeah, I think you snap up Season of Growth here and you just keep feeling out where the draft is going to go. Yeah, so Pattern Matcher did wheel next, which was awesome, especially because that pack was so weak. Um, And that's just a, a testament to the boss just not taking that card highly at all and also in that pack is still a scampering scorcher so that's three scampering scorchers but then we had a few packs there just with no red so it must be that just that the bots don't value scampering scorcher highly yeah i think that's on the uh, list of underrated cards so i do think that card is just i mean you like you said it ranges from being terrible to fantastic but i think i want to make sure i have a thing that's going to make it fantastic before i start to value them highly i think i'm the other way around it i think i'm more willing to take a flyer on it but makes sense 
Yeah, so I hedged a little bit on green with this deck, but did end up settling into blue-black. Not a ton of black cards. I mean, the murder, blood for bones was what really tipped me into it in pack two. And then I got a blood-soaked altar with a sanitarium skeleton. So some shenanigans, double pattern matcher, um, double metropolis sprite, double fairy miscreant. Unfortunately, I only got two of those. And this deck went 3-3, but could have definitely got a couple wins. Two of those losses were on misplays on my part because this was too much deck for me to handle. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, I mean, I think just being base blue was such a good boon for me. And then I really waited until I was sure that black was what my second color was supposed to be. Yeah, it looked like you flirted with green for a while and then ultimately ended up in black and you're heavy blue but still have good enough mana because of the Evolving Wilds and you picked up a blue-black duel along the way to be playing black as a support color so that you get to take advantage of that murder. Yeah. So I think that's another really good look at Arena versus MTGO and drafting with the bots and maybe how to do that because it is, I think, just a different skill set that you need to learn, especially if you've been ingrained in drafting the hard way, the Ben S method over the years. I think Arena is a different animal, and I certainly think for M20, it's a different beast, and hopefully we helped you out with that some today. So I think that's a great place to wrap us up. Thank you, as always, to Salty Pretzels for our intro and outro music. Make sure you give that a listen. Come check us out on Twitch and Twitter. Ben's got his whole new room just for streaming. Twitch.tv slash Mr. Metronome for him. Twitch.tv slash Lord Tupperware for me. We're under those same usernames on Twitter. And you can tweet at the podcast at Lords of Limited. If you've got any feedback about the show or any questions, shoot us an email at lordsoflimited at gmail.com. Thank you so much for listening. And we'll catch you next week for another episode of Lords of Limited. Thanks, everybody. See you later. Right. I also feel like there's a sense of, I don't know how to put it into words, but that there's a sense of flow. That's good. That's good for a podcast, I think. <laughs> You're the worst. <laughs>